What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated NBA Show. The whole gang is back. We got myself, producer Mikey, and we got the all-star, the Twitter king himself, Mr. Brett Usher, joining us from a beautiful balcony outside in 75-degree Hawaii weather. Um, hey, I'm starting to feel better. I hope you guys can tell. So without further ado, high noon. Oh, there it is right there. They actually got a new tequila brand coming out too that is uh, pretty damn good. We got a full episode for everybody today. Last week, Mikey and I did the West preview a little bit without Brett. Brett is back. We're going to talk about a team that we've been wanting to talk to for a while, the Sacramento Kings. They are currently third in the West. They are playing unbelievably good ball. We're going to touch on some rookies. We may get into some of the MVP race a little bit. We'll see what happens. We're recording this on a Tuesday. It's actually just turned 9 o'clock my time, which means it's Bucks after dark. It's Bucks Phoenix tonight. So hoping um, I'll be able to check the second half of that. But without further ado, Brett, my man, what's happening, buddy? You look great. You got the Spurs hat on. I love the black on black glasses. What's going on, baby? <laughs> not too much, man. Not too much. Uh, like you said, I'm I'm outdoors. Had to pivot to this location at the at the last minute, but I think it's gonna work out okay. As long as there's not too much background noise, there shouldn't be. I'm pretty much out here by myself. But yeah, man, you appreciate you guys holding it down on the pod last week. I was in San Diego just doing some work at my place there, and uh, it was a very very busy week. But it's good to be back in Hawaii. And yeah, I've, I've been trying to catch up on basketball as much as possible the last few days because I really uh I went like a week without barely watching any which is just crazy um I was really just feeling that void like you know I didn't realize kind of how much I normally watch when you have to stop watching it for a few days because I didn't when I was in San Diego I didn't have internet I didn't have cable um you know I snuck out to the bar a couple times to watch games but other than that I was just I was just I was just busy as hell like so so that was kind of weird, but I feel like I'm all caught up and, um, yeah, really enjoyed that Kings-Bucks game last night. Uh, and uh, I know we're going to talk about uh, at least one of those squads. So, yeah, let's go. I got my Coors Light here. I was thinking about the High Noon. That tequila flavor is pretty good. Come on, High Noon. Just sponsor us. That, that, that High Noon tequila is legit. It's tequila or tequila-flavored seltzer? No, dude. It's, te- it's, it's, it's basically like, you know, like High Noon is, is vodka seltzer, basically. This is basically tequila seltzer. Like oh, oh, I see. I see what yeah. you're saying. Okay. Yeah, dude, it's it's legit, yeah. man. It's, it's 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 really good. But let's talk great. about those Sacramento Kings, man. I mean, they obviously were recording this on a Tuesday, as I said at the top. Milwaukee just beat them last night. But prior to that, I mean, they're still eight and two in their last ten games. They've been on a hell of a of a streak here going on. I think they've only lost two games in the month of March. And they ended the month of February on a four-game winning streak. Like, they are absolutely legit. Some of the Kings fans that I've been talking to, they seem to be a little bit worried. I have no idea why. I mean, when you watch this team, they get up and down the floor. They're so young. We're going to touch on some of their the defensive liabilities. But, man, right now, third in the West, number one in offensive rating, seventh in assist per- percentage, fifth in assist to, assist to turnover ratio. They lead the league in true shooting percentage as a team. As, as I just touched on, they're 8-2 and two since their last All-Star game. I know that the NBA has the, this clutch award that they're going to. <laughs> I think it, I think De'Aaron Fox is probably a shoo-in. He's uh, 14th most clutch minutes, first in clutch points. I mean, he is legit. This squad is an absolute unit. We've talked about Sabonis, who is probably, could we pencil him in as one of the first-team All-NBAs, probably third-team All-NBA if we're going center, if, it's, if they get split up like how it has the last couple of years with Jokic and Embiid. I mean, they are a unit. They're so fun to watch. Brett, what are your thoughts on the Sacramento Kings? 
they're legit, man. Yeah, they've they've won eleven of their last fifteen. I'd say they have a historically great offense. You know, the best offense in the league in terms of offensive rating. Like, like I was saying before the pod, like you know, it's it's so funny, like how quickly our standards for these teams raise. Where like they fell from second in the West to third with that loss to the Bucks, and it was like myself and I think a lot of people thought they would beat the Bucks because it was in sack. They've got a great crowd, all that. Um, but then you you know you just take a step back and you look at the standings and you think like, what if you had told Kings fans before the season, you know, that you'd be third in the West uh, 80% of the way through the season or whatever we are. It's like, that's crazy. Like, I think most people would have just been happy to make the playoffs. Now it's like they're third in the West. The Nuggets lost again. It's almost like maybe they even have a shot at at first. They were certainly top two, certainly home court advantage in the first round, maybe the first two rounds. So they have obviously uh, far exceeded all expectations. And um, I, the one thing like, just like an overarching thing with them that I was thinking about last night when I was watching that game is like they've ascended to marquee status yeah, quickly. Yeah. Like they're, they're one of the NBA's marquee teams. You know, the Bucks are that too. But and, and like watching that game last night that it just had, it, it felt every bit a matchup of two marquee teams. And for the Kings to have reached that status so quickly is truly remarkable because they're like, they're must-see TV now. You're right, though. Your, your point on, like, they are a marquee matchup. As, as I said that, I was talking to, you know, uh, Court is one of the, you know, the big Sacramento Kings fans. and He, he was, likes the Kings? Yeah, yeah, he likes the Kings. Warrior, he knows what he likes out there. But, you know, when when he was sharing his concerns with me, you know, that he's very worried about the, the lower half of the West bracket. And I, I told him, I said, man, why? Like, what are you, what are you worried about, like, all right, so if you played, let's just hypothetically here, right? Just if we're going by matchups, and again, this is this. There's what? What is there? 15 games left, 16 games left in the season. All right, man. So you got to play Dallas. All right, so it's going to be a run them up, shoot them up game. Whoever scores the most points is probably going to win. Like, dude, you you're better than Dallas. Like, I'm sorry, but you're you're better than Dallas right now. Okay, so let's let, let's say you play Minnesota. Personally, I think you're going to run Minnesota out of the gym. Like, outside of Anthony Edwards, you know, you know, you look at Rudy Gobert, who is older. Mike Conley is very very old. Carl Anthony Towns, who knows what's going to happen there. I mean, maybe the Lakers, maybe you get a little bit concerned, but the Clippers, I wouldn't, all these teams, my point, my overall point with, with court was all these teams that he's worried about, we've been waiting all season for them to get their shit together. And they still haven't gotten their shit together. Like I said, like there's, there's 15 games left. You still haven't gotten your shit together. Like what is, um, what are you worried about? That's just, that's just my personal opinion. Just obviously I'm not a, a hardcore fan like that in, in the everyday, um, you know, news cycle that those fans are in. But like, I, as an outsider, I fully expect the Sacramento Kings to win a playoff series, not only be the two or the two or three seed, but to win an actual playoff series. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I would probably put money on that too, you know, like, cause like you said, like who there aren't, I mean, honestly, at this point, I feel like the Suns are the only team and, and assuming they have Durant and, and Chris Paul and everybody else, like, or, you know, at least Durant, that that's like the one team I would for sure pick over sack in a series. Um, but like, other than the Suns, like, I think the Kings could beat anybody. They're obviously not a very good defense. Like they're, I think they're bottom five, bottom six, somewhere in there. But at the same time, I do feel like they've, overachieved defensively like I, I really think like when you look at their personnel they're actually better than they should be 
defensively. Like they're fairly cohesive. They hold up like just enough to where that they can outscore you. Um, and that's, that's the name of the game with them. And it's like, you know, we just hear over and over about how, you know, you need defense in the playoffs and everything, but, um, but I don't know, man, I, I think this team could really make some noise uh, just on the strength of their, their offense. Like, you know, that attack is, is pretty undeniable. They also have a lot going for them too. Like we haven't even mentioned, what do you think? Top five crowd in the NBA? Like, like oh, seriously, for, higher than that. No, top yeah, five's low. Yeah, top, yeah. top. I'd say top one. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> a franchise that hasn't been in the playoffs, you know, for the last twenty years, twenty five years, like it's been that long since they've been in. I, I well, twenty five years. No, it's. I think it's been twenty years. Yeah, like that. That franchise is starved. Those fans already like even Monday night at nine o'clock. The game wasn't even on ESPN. It was a well for me. It was Bally Sports, probably local Sacramento, whatever that that network is like, yeah, man. And just again, outside of, you know, maybe we'll touch on Denver, this podcast, but Denver has just lost four in a row. So like they, there is a chance that they could possibly get the one seed, but you have Memphis. The report came out yesterday. John Morant might not be back. He might be done for the rest of the season, including the playoffs. Like there's a lot of uncertainty there, probably more uncertainty in the West than I can remember at least. Like I don't know. I'm not going to predict that Sacramento is going to, you know, get out of the West you know, make it to the NBA finals. I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm not saying that they can't do that, but like for them to win a playoff series, I think that's totally doable. And I think that that should be the expectation. Like I, I, I really truly believe that like outside of defense and it's crazy too, because we look at it from a perspective of like playoffs, defense matter, defense matters, defense matters, but they are so far ahead offensively and they're so fast and so young. And you just saw, like you said, Last night, like, what did Kevin Herter go last night? Eight for 11, nine for 12, something like yeah. that. Like, they can turn it on like that. And honestly, Giannis is going to be a bad matchup for everybody in the league. I, I think it's just it's just one of those games where he came out and he was just on fire. But, yeah, man, I, I truly, truly believe this team, the expectation, first-round playoff series, and then let the chips fall where they fall, and who knows what can happen. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm tempted to say uh... – the ceiling is wherever the fuck the beam goes. I saw. Um, I said. At this point, <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, for real, like what what logic are we really using to cap this team? It's more just like, oh, it's the Kings, or or oh, this is their first year in however long being good, or like I don't know. I don't think any of those reasons are like good enough. Like I feel like if this was another franchise and all other things were the same, like people would have even more faith in them. But like I said, just the fact that. I and I think a lot of other people expected them to beat the Bucks, and the fact that they were in the game until really the last couple minutes. Like there was that one sequence where they they had a miscommunication on defense. They gave up the wide open three to Middleton, and then on the very next play down, Fox you know got ripped by Drew Holiday, and Drew got a, a open fast break layup. And that was a point where it was like, all right, the game's pretty much over. But I think there was just a couple minutes left when that happened, and right up until that point, they were. They were right there. It was a great game. And um, just the fact that they can hang with the Bucks like that says a lot about them. Like maybe they win that game, you know, two out of five times, which would be pretty remarkable. Because I, I was at that game a couple months ago when Sacramento was in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee ran them right off the floor. Like I, I thought that was a huge like – you can kind of see – I remember when – what was Sacramento to start the season, right? They were kind of like that that sixth, seventh seed and everyone was like, oh, my God, dude, look at Sacramento. Look how cute. This is a cute story. They'll probably eventually fade. and. And they haven't faded. And you, I don't know if you listened to our the podcast last week with Mikey and I. I know we did that podcast where we had some technical difficulties loading loading it up. But, you know, 
you guys both said one of the teams that you th- that we thought was going to fall was Sacramento. And like now, man, they, they have a chance to be the two seed, not only the two seed, maybe Denver stays on this losing streak and, and Sacramento can somehow get the one seed. Like they are, would you say they're the safest bet in the West right now, even with Golden State being healthy, but you know, they can't win on the road. They have their issues. Like they're the only, Brett, they're the only team in the Western Conference with a road record above 500. The Kings? Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Um, that's a pretty wild stat. I, I mean, I, I think they've been the most consistently good. Well, I, I mean, you, you still got to give that to Denver, okay? Even with the four straight losses or whatever it is now, I think Denver's probably been the most consistently good team in the West. But right behind them would be the Kings in terms of that. Look, I still think the Suns are – a pretty safe bet. I think even without right, right. Durant, they're still a really good team. And like uh, I tweeted about this yesterday, like that starting lineup of Chris Paul, Booker, Okogi, Durant, and Aiton played exactly 100 possessions together across three games before Durant getting injured. And they registered a plus 38.9 net rating, which would be fifth out of 248 lineups to have played at least 100 possessions together in the NBA this season. So like we got a glimpse of it and obviously they won all three of those games. Like they, we saw what that's going to look like. Like they're, they're, they're a juggernaut. So unless you think Durant is going to have some setback or not be ready for the playoffs, which I don't envision it's, it's a sprained ankle. Like he's been through enough of these, like he, he's going to be there. Um, I, I, I think they're my heavy favorites to win the West, but, but man, other than them though, I think the Kings are right there with Denver. Um, I, I, you know, Memphis obviously with the Jaw stuff, and then Brandon Clark being out, uh, they could still be somewhat tough. But I, I think I like the Kings better than them. I, th- there's just so many like questions with these teams, like the Clippers. Like, yeah, they could be, could be tough. Uh, the Lakers, if this, if that. Like, there's so many ifs with these teams. With the Kings, it's like just hey. This team, if it's this team right here, um, they can be just about anybody. And um, and man, that that home court is going to be big in the playoffs. Like I really do. Like what crowd would be better than them? I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons talk about the Kings the other day, and he just out of those they're a top four crowd. Like what, what's that based on? Like because I feel like they're higher than that. Like what three crowds are better than the Kings? Oh, I like this. I like like this. what? Not much. You know really. what I mean? I think, it, it, I, think, I think people like we haven't because we're old enough, but I think people forget like the cowbell days, you know, when Phil Jackson was freaking out because the Sacramento King yeah. fans were having cowbells. Like that stadium, Arco Arena was going nuts. Like Sacramento is legitimately, like legitimately a great basketball town. Like those, yeah. those fans are passionate. And I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but you know, there's no. NFL team in Sacramento, right? There's no baseball team in Sacramento. They're all 49er or San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Like, it is basketball is the there. Those that, that, those cities have the best crowds. That's why Portland has. I would definitely say Portland has a top five crowd, and I think that's a big part of it is because they're they're you know they're the only show in town, as as people say. Like they're it, it is a basketball city, really. I, you know, no disrespect to the Timbers, but of like the major sports, um, that's that's Ooh, it. Portland so Timbers you know, I, like. Hey. 
Hey, I, I love. I, I used to live uh, right next to their stadium. I'm like a um, honorary Timbers fan. I, don't, I never oh, went to a like, game. Just but... like that condo is right across the street from Petco Park yeah, in San Diego. I'm gonna go. Hey, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> next time I'm there, I'm gonna go to a game. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like you could talk about um, the Celtics have a great crowd. Um, the Blazers have a great crowd. I think the Nuggets have a great crowd. Uh, probably somebody I'm missing here. Uh, probably an obvious one, but like, I don't know. I think the Kings have the best crowd in the league. And, and, and so that, that can't be overlooked either, man. Like that team with home court advantage is going to be really, really that's tough. That's what I'm saying. Like if, yeah. if you're a two no, you're seed, right. like, yeah, that, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like I would be not saying that it can't happen. Sacramento is still young. I believe I know Harrison Barnes is on that team. He's obviously won a title and has a lot of playoff success. Although his, yeah. been, I don't think he's been back to the playoffs since <laughs> since he went to Dallas. I really don't think he has been. No, oh, he hasn't been. Because that, that Mavs team didn't make the playoffs that he was on. No. So he's I, I long think overdue. He just made the playoffs one time with Indiana, but like that's about it. But sometimes, man, those teams that play with nothing to lose and fast, like exactly how Sacramento plays, they have, they have the coach of the year. I wanted to ask you too. So I kind of touched on it in the open when we were introducing the Sacramento part of this, that Sabonis is more, more than likely – I think he's the betting favorite to get the – he's going to be third-team All-NBA, right? He's going to be the third-team center. Do you think De'Aaron Fox has a chance to make any of these All-NBA teams? Absolutely. Um, I would say – I think third-team feels like a pretty safe bet. Like, you know, the, the whole John Morant thing is pretty unfortunate, but, you know, he's probably not going to be on an All-NBA team, like considering – the game's missed, and then just kind of the nature of why he's missing these games. If, like, if, if he misses, obviously, <laughs> this goes without like saying. You can't pick Ja over De'Aaron for all NBA. I guess that's – maybe you can find a way to put him on there. I haven't given it that much thought. But I'll say I don't – I can't imagine them picking Ja or voting for Ja over De'Aaron. Like, there's no you way. You can't. You can't. And my point no. was, obviously, you and I don't have a vote, <laughs> obviously, but like – I don't know if, if John Moran is suspended for the rest of the season. Obviously, or I'm sorry, not suspended, but if he's away from the team and he's not going to come back and he's not going to come back from the playoffs, you could make the case that he single-handedly torpedoed his team's chances to win an NBA title this season. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm i sensitive to the fact. I'm happy for him that he's getting help. But, like, that's the reality of the NBA situation is that th- their team cannot win a title without him playing. Right? No. He, he's got to get his shit situated. Kudos to him. He's in Florida right now. He's working on his stuff. Hope he comes back stronger than ever. Mikey and I touched on it last podcast. We don't really need to go deep into that again. If he doesn't play again this season, I I think De'Aaron's got pretty much a lock now, now with the jaw stuff. Because you're not taking – all right, well, like, let, let's just look at it real quick because this was something I did want to touch on with the Kings was like the awards implications of their success. Right, like, because there's you you have to reward this team. You have to um, you have to give them representation in the form of awards, and so we're gonna see some of that. And it's just a matter of what. But if you look at the All NBA guards, like, okay, so the absolute locks, like we can do this off the top. It's gonna be you know Luca uh, in, this, in no particular order, but I would say Luca's a lock. I would say Dame's a lock. I would say Donovan Mitchell is a lock. Uh, I would say Shea Gilgis Alexander is a lock, and. Steph is probably a lock too, assuming he plays the rest of the season. That leaves, you know, one more guard spot, right? So that comes down to like Trey, Kyrie, Ja, um, or De'Aaron. And, and maybe somebody else I'm even forgetting. Ha- oh, Halliburton. But like, I'm not taking any of those guys over De'Aaron. I'm just not. Um, you can't, especially if 
Sacramento, if Sacramento can claim the two seed, and let maybe they miss out on the one seed by two games, maybe. Like obviously we're just speculating here, but I think I'm with you, man. If Sacramento gets up to that two spot, like I I think that De'Aaron Fox should be at the very least third team all NBA. Yeah. Same with Sabonis. Like I think they both um they're an interesting case because like I don't know. Tell me if this is any different for you, but like they don't feel like like a one, two, or like one's better than the other. Like they really feel equal as leaders of this team. Complimentary basketball. Complimentary. Yeah. Like in terms of their all NBA standing or however you want to frame it, like they feel like equals. They're very different players, obviously, have very different roles, but I'm not comfortable saying one's better than the other or one's more deserving of this or that than the other um because with all nba like they could put sabonis he could probably be eligible he's front court right like so but i don't i don't think he makes second team just because when you think about the Embiid and Jokic, obviously and then like tatum durant Giannis, like the forwards that that's tough but i see them both making third team together which would be dope and then um beyond that you look at you mentioned the clutch award De'Aaron feels like a lock for that. I think Mike it's hilarious. Brown. Mike Brown, coach of the year. I was going to say, I think it's hilarious that De'Aaron's a lock for that clutch award. Like when there was this narrative, like even in the early part of the season that he just wasn't clutch. Like Bill you know, Simmons. <laughs> and Simmons and Rosillo were saying like, I just don't trust that guy in the clutch. Every time I watch him in the clutch, it's just, you just know something's going to go wrong. Like they were straight up shitting on him. And then, Hey, he's the most clutch player in the NBA, like by far this season. So that was hilarious. They they've been sort of you know trying to backtrack from what I've heard a little bit on that, but um, but yeah, that not that that's a major award. And then yeah, Coach of the Year Mike Brown, like you said, um, I like Malik Monk as Sixth Man of the Year. Like I think he's got as strong a case as Brogdon or Portis or any of these guys. Like I think he's right there. That's another one where they could potentially reward the Beam Team. Like I think he'll be a finalist. Um, so yeah, it's like. It's cool. It's just like with this team success comes all this like individual praise, like all these players, like Malik Monk's getting more recognition than ever. Sabonis, like I've I've slept on him. Like I didn't give him enough recognition. Like now he's finally being talked about as one of the best big pigs in the league. De'Aaron is probably like a you know top what, six, seven point guard at the very least, like to everybody, like consensus. So it's been cool with Herder. I mean, like it's a. It's it's great, man. It's, it is like the best story ever. And then you just have the beam, like tying it all together, like this great gimmick, like the greatest gimmick in the history of like and the NBA, as far as I'm concerned. Like it's the coolest shit ever. Um, so it's it's so cool. The crowd, the fans, I, I, man, it's it's been the best. Like so glad I've watched just about every one of their games this year. It's been a fun ride. I agree, man. I, I, you took the words. I really don't have much to add to that. I really, really don't. Like they are one of, if not the funnest team. You know, we always praise Orlando for being such a fun team, but you know, obviously Sacramento was right there. And I'm, I'm rooting for it, man. I, I really, really am. Like I, I, I joke about it, but dude, us, us small markets got to stick together. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that? I did see that. I did see that. You're like, yeah, man. I my towel. Beer all over himself. Oh, Rookie. my computer, my mic. We're, we're good. We're good. Rookie. I brought a towel because it was raining and that it didn't stop any rain, but it's, it's freaking um, 75, 80 degrees by you, man. And I'm sitting here in 15 degree weather on March 14th, dude. This fish, this just sucks. This you know sucks. what, though, man? Like you said, like it's, it's, it's been such a fun story. There's so much fun. And what makes it even more fun is like 
like the way they're doing it, you know, just like the nature of like the way they play. Like, so just, you know, just this kind of improvement in itself and all the other stuff we mentioned is like, is super fun and super exciting. But then they're just like an objectively fun team to watch. Like they score a fuckload of points. They play the most entertaining basketball of probably any team in the league, maybe in recent memory. They're electric to watch. And uh, so that just adds to it where like they've become a really a phenomenon, really, and rightfully so. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. I really I really don't have much to add to that, and we'll see. Like maybe De'Aaron Fox can get some most improved player votes. Although I think that Laurie Markkinen probably has that award locked up. But yeah, man. They're, yeah, they're, and yeah. they did a good job of, of building this team. You know, the, the Kevin Herter trade was kind of under the radar this off season. I know some people kind of talked about it, but he's been phenomenal for them. The Red Rock. Yeah, he's, I think he's shooting forty percent from three this season. Like they're just. You know, you talked about Sabonis and Fox as complementary players, and I, let's take it a step further. Like, I think that whole team is just very, very complementary, and they're a solid, solid team. And again, man, I, I just go back to it, the way the West is this year. I keep hearing everybody say, <laughs> and this is not me shitting on them, but I just keep hearing everybody say, well, I'll take the Warriors versus everybody. I'll take the Warriors versus everybody. And like, yeah, man, they're phenomenal, dude. That game against Milwaukee on Saturday night, you saw them at home, boom. You saw him, you know, just crush Phoenix last night at home. I get it, man. I get it. Yeah. But team, it's like a game here, a game there. It's not they can't like win they on the road. it hasn't been like five games in a row, and they can't win on the road. I mean, we can have Mikey look it up, but I have they even won a road game since the last time we podcasted on Thursday? I don't think they have. I think they've still won seven games. You know, just, yeah. just what was, they played Milwaukee on Saturday. So Thursday, we saw Memphis without John Morant just kick the shit out of them. Bro, like, I'm t- I, I'm telling you this, like you know the, the they the Warriors suck on the road. Fucking road Warriors suck, and Hawk and Animal are rolling over in their graves right now, man. Oh my god, bro. I can't believe you just pulled out a WWF pun. Oh, right there. I'm, I didn't I'm even know you me. had that in you. The road hey, Warriors, Hawk and Animal. Let's fucking yeah, go, legends. But yeah, man, that's that's gonna be a little bit of a problem in the playoffs, especially if you run into a team like Sacramento or Denver that has a really strong home court, like. Uh, or, or even Memphis, like whoever they end up face off with, like Phoenix, any of these teams, it's going to be a real problem not being able to win on the road. And then even at home, like, you know, they haven't been perfect. Um, you know, so it, it's one thing to have these like beautiful, phenomenal games where everything clicks every once in a while and it gets everyone all excited. And rightfully so, they're the defending champs. But like when you think about them in the context of a playoff series, even with all their experience, especially if Wig- we don't know what's up with Wiggins. That's even more nebulous than the John Morant thing. We don't know what's going on with him. It sounds like there's a very real possibility he doesn't play again this season. And and we really have no idea what's up with him um, unless something came out since the last time I was on Twitter like an hour ago. But uh, that that's a real problem, too. Like, you know, I'd feel a lot better about their chances if they had him. And then even if he does come back, like, I don't know, man. Yeah, they're not a team I'm worried about. They just haven't shown me enough this season. Um for me to be like too worried about them. Now you get them in the conference finals and they're healthy. Okay. That that's then I'm, I'm probably going to pick them, but right now, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see them as a real threat. Phoenix is the only really scary team I see in the West. Again, you got to get healthy. Cause it, you know, this was, this was, this was my concern when they made that trade, you make that trade 10 times out of 10. I'm with you. I think that Phoenix is when healthy, the but, best team in the but West. The Durant thing, like, come on. I mean, like, I get that he's had injury issues over the last few years, but Not we all him, saw. 
It's not well, just him. Chris, I, I, I've said this since the beginning. Like, as long as they have KD, Booker, and Aiden, like, you could take Chris Paul off that team, and I'd still pick them to win probably the NBA title, as long as those three guys are healthy. Because we've seen Booker can handle point guard duties. Like, I'm not that worried about Chris Paul's health. Obviously, you want him. He certainly raises their ceiling um, and floor if he's there. But for me, it's more about just Aiton, Book, Durant. You know, like, I think that's enough where I think Booker and Aiton or Booker and Durant are going to be so, so, so tough to stop. And, like, the thing with, like, Durant, like, that injury, like, that, that was a total fluke. Like, we all saw it. Like he, he, like he was warming up and that wasn't like, Oh, he's old. Like that would have happened to anybody. Um, if you just slipped on that spot the way he did. Uh, so maybe he's going to take a little longer to come back from it than a young guy would. But you know, when he's back, uh, that's, I, I do think they're the, the team to beat, but I'd probably put sack right sack in Denver. And I probably just sack in Denver in a tier behind them right now. I, I really think that's, and then maybe like Memphis golden state, Clippers like then it gets you know how the West is this year but but as far as the Kings chances I'm with you I don't I don't see any reason to think they can't win at least one you know if not two playoff series finals might be a stretch but I, I couldn't rule it out um because we see them win one playoff series then win in the semifinals then it's like it would be almost like Dallas last year like okay like anything can happen now with this team yeah 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 I'm not gonna go that far but anything can happen to quote the uh, the legendary Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Well, let's let's transition away from the Kings for a minute. And I know that you were pretty excited about this next topic, but you wanted to kind of do a rookie check in and just kind of check out on the rookies and just just some of the ones that we're going to highlight. Your boy Jabari Smith Jr., who I we say this, I feel like we do this segment once a year. And we have to say it every year, like shockingly, maybe let these young guys play a little bit before we just crucify them and just kill them. Just let you know, Brett, Johnny Davis balled out tonight. No big deal, though. Uh, that's neither here nor there. 11 points. Okay. Career high, I believe. We didn't, need, we didn't need that last part there. Okay. No, five, okay. Five, of, five of 11 shooting. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. No, no, no. I'll, no, I, I was going to give him a shout out because for real, that's I think that was his best game as a pro. And like, I'm just, I'm glad to see him getting minutes. It's like, that that's a start like seriously it was the worst part about the johnny davis experience so far has been the fact that they barely played him the first you know few months of the season he's just been in the g league and it's nice to see him on the pro court producing he made some really good plays i actually was watching when he scored a couple buckets so confidence hey, is a real thing that's all i'm gonna say shout, confidence shout is out to thing. johnny davis man no i got nothing bad to say about that guy i'm very happy for him um getting getting some minutes finally like dude why not play him like he's probably better than some of these other guys they've been playing. So I hear you. I Maybe. hear you. But Jabari Smith Jr., you and I both yeah. liked him coming out of the draft. He maybe was supposed to go number one. He obviously didn't have going number one. He's with Houston. In 65 games this season, he's averaging 12.4 points per game, 7.1 rebounds, 1.3 assists. His shooting splits are 40, 31, 79. Now, here's where it gets a little bit fun. Since the All Star break, it's been 10 games, averaging 14.6 points a game, 7.6. Rebounds, 1.7 assists, shooting splits, 47, 36, 76. His last three games, he's playing just about 40 minutes a game. Again, we're recording this on a Tuesday. So if you didn't pay attention, they beat Boston on Monday night, which was a crazy, crazy game. His last three games, Javari Smith Jr., 24.7 points a game, 11 rebounds again a game, 2.7 assists a game. 
His shooting splits, 61, 63, 77, and a 74.4 true shooting percentage. You and I were both very high on him, Brett. What have you kind of seen, not only his last 10 games, but kind of this season on Jabari Smith Jr.'s progress? Well, I saw a lot of early season overreactions. Um, People calling Jabari a bust. A lot of really just stupid, short-sighted takes that are already aging extremely poorly. And I just, I don't know. Look, if you didn't like a guy coming into the draft and then those biases are sort of confirmed, like, in the beginning of the season, if, like, if there's, like, real concern about a player, like, oh, this guy's just, he's going to be too small um, to finish at a high level and he's not finishing at all in the NBA, like, then maybe there's some reason for concern or, oh, this guy's not athletic enough. And um, and that, that's really showing, like, th- th- that's one thing. But when you have a guy like Jabari Smith, a top three pick, who, like, he seemed pretty certain to be eventually a really good NBA player, like going into the draft for people to just write him off because his efficiency wasn't great in the beginning of the season or cause he had a couple of bad plays. Like I, I just, I think that is so ridiculous, especially when you're talking about a 19 year old. Like I think, I think our, just in general, our standards for these kids, the teenage rookies have gotten way, way, way too high. I hate like, it, man. I, I bro, absolutely hate it. Think I, about your boy, Giannis, right? Think about Giannis's rookie season. Like, would people probably wouldn't even give a shit about Giannis if he was having that rookie season. Now they just, yeah, he's just, you know, whatever. Like, he wasn't a super high pick, but like, you know, you could go back, like, Kobe's rookie season, teenager. We all know. His numbers is he did not have a great rookie season. Jermaine O'Neal, you know, even like KG was good as a rookie, but his numbers were like the same as Jabari, a little more efficient. But um, Zach Randolph, like Tracy McGrady, rookie year as a teenager was not great. Like I, I feel like any of these guys nowadays, people would just two weeks into the season, oh, that guy's a bust, and and then most of them are Hall of Famers now. And I think that's just the treatment Jabari got early in the season. I just think it's a, a really good illustration of how like crazy people's standards are for these kids. Like, since when did we expect 19-year-old rookies to like be good NBA players right away? Like, that's insane. It's not impossible. LeBron was. Paolo Bancaro, you know, was. Um, there's certainly been plenty that have been, but like all these guys' games are different. You know, like Paolo's game and Jabari's game couldn't be more different, really. So it's like, how do you compare them in that sense? Like when you're looking at NBA readiness, it's like, cool, like Paolo was great right away from the jump. But he's a guy that, you know, can create off the dribble. He's a guy that's physically NBA ready. Like he's already got a a body that NBA veterans will be jealous of. And like in just the nature of his game, like he's a guy that's going to produce right away. Somebody like Jabari who works more off ball, who's more of a shooter, a little more of a finesse player, not as like physically quote unquote ready, uh, is going to take a little bit more time. You know, he's a skinny kid. He's very young. And um, I, also, I just, I think- you're right too. And this is why I hate, um, you know, whenever I see this dialogue, like you said on Twitter or social media, or even on some of the network shows, like give these freaking kids a chance to play a little bit. Like we all know, would we be having the same conversation if Jabari went to a more structured organization in Orlando? Like, you know, you just hear what some of the players, I think, what was it, Eric Gordon, 
you know, he was very critical. Like it's, it's clear that Houston needs an adult in the room and they don't have one. It's kind of a rudderless ship. They're probably going to have a new coach next season. You have the James Harden rumors. Like I, I'm just saying out of all the, the basketball situations that we have, the Houston Rockets, just from a culture and a front office standpoint, are probably at the bottom of that list. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's he's 100%. already he's already going uphill because of the team that drafted him probably wasn't as equipped to handle team success as well as some of the other teams are. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's there, there's a few factors that you have to look at, and these things differ greatly between these young kids. Like I mentioned, just you know, just the nature of his game. First of all, like I said, and then. Also, yeah, the physical level, like where his body's at, his physical maturity, um, and then also the team context. Like these guys have different teammates, so it's it, it different systems, like different coaches. Like yeah, Orlando, for instance, is is I think a much healthier environment. I don't know that Jabari would be you have been that much better early in the season in Orlando, but maybe he would have. But I think I think you just have to look at all those things, and you can't just have this like these like blanketed high standards for these guys is like oh one's averaging 21 and nine so he's just the you know gonna be the way better nba player than the other one who's averaging 12 and seven like it just it's so crazy and now that jabari's playing well like it that first half of his rookie season feels so meaningless like who cares like he's on a he's on a tanking team like who cares he was he got that efficiency out of his inefficiency out of his system like he got those misses out of his system. He, you got to learn the the speed of the NBA game. You got to learn the pace of it. You got to learn the space of it. You got to you know learn how to get to your spots. Your teammates have to learn where your spots are. And again, like for a guy like Jabari, that stuff's a lot more important than another guy like Paolo who can self create or like Matherin, right? So it's it's just different. And um, I think this one size fits all set of standards for these kids is ridiculous and like look maybe i'm talking about holding teenage rookies to too high a standard maybe i'm holding nba twitter to too high a standard as well because like you know what i mean like what do i really expect from them like yeah i don't think there was too many like prominent you know nba media people straight up calling him a bust but there was certainly some that were implying it that like maybe he wouldn't go top three in a redraft i'll tell you this i'm still taking him top three in a redraft i love the way that kid shoots the ball He's a legit 6'11". He's a versatile defender. And just like the improvement he's shown during his rookie season, like he's on a pretty impressive trajectory. Like I don't care if it's a three-game sample, but he's averaging 25 and 11 on 74% true shooting, as you as you brought up. And then, yeah, you could even go double it and go to the six-game sample where he's averaging 19 and 8 on 72% true shooting. So, like, and the Rockets are 3-3 three and three in that period. So, like, he, it's actually kind of translating to some wins for them. So I just think I think he's like the ultimate example of impatience um, with a super young rookie. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't turn 20 for another two months, as, as Mikey pointed out here in the chat. So, like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> how impatient? I think it's crazy when people are writing off 22 and 23 year olds. I really do. I think that's crazy. You know but what? Like, I'm glad you said 19, that. As you, 19? As, as you were talking, I was going to say something like it, the, the Evan Mobley stuff I think has gotten out of control. And that's why I loved your your tweet today. Like everyone expected him to take this big, humongous second year jump. And like, oh, if he takes this jump, the ca- the Cavaliers are going to go to the NBA finals and all that stuff. So, like just chill, man. Do we like, not saying not, definitely not us, but like, do, do people not learn anything? Like I think Jason Tatum is a perfect example. 
dude got killed for a long time. You know, he was, we all joked that he was 18. He probably still is 18, but it was like, oh, he didn't like, not everything is going to be a same growth step every single year, man. Some of this stuff is linear, right? Like sometimes, hey man, maybe they take a huge step forward and maybe they plateau for a year and they get better. Like, you know, Jason Tatum is, I honestly, like, I'm not trying to make a joke. I think he's 24, 25. I think he's 25. 24. 24. 24. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But like, I believe just give these dudes like a break. Just, just, just freaking relax. Can we at least have like a five year sample size of them in the NBA before we decide to kind of project on what they are? Can we maybe yeah. even four years? Like, is that okay? Like, it just seems like yeah. we're so quick to just kill these dudes all the time. It's crazy. No, it's crazy. It's funny. It, it really is. It's just funny because it didn't used to be that way. Like Twitter, when man. it took Twitter. when it took Jermaine O'Neal four years to even average like double figure points per game. Like it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's natural. He's now he's twenty two. Like you know, like or I think Andrew Bynum got off to a rough start, or like. Kobe obviously like even took a few years like before he was like a good NBA player. Really, he was popular. But you, again, you can point to all these guys, and um, it just it didn't used to be this way. Like we didn't used to expect rookies to be um this great. And I just think you know when you look at NBA readiness, like I think it's a little overrated because it's like look, all credit due to Paolo. Like he's great. I think he's going to be pretty easily the rookie of the year. Um, and he was like dominating at times from the jump, but like. Okay, so he was NBA ready. Maybe Jabari wasn't, but you know what? I think Jabari is now. So it's like, who gives a fuck about the last four or five months? Like, okay, it took him five months in the NBA to be NBA ready. Like, that's kind of the idea. He's actually like, if this is even close to who he's going to be from here on out, then like, that's pretty fucking encouraging, if if anything. Yeah. Like, so, like, again, like, Shaden Sharp is a good example on the Blazers. Like, he he's played a lot like he's he's had his ups and downs he's not perfect yet he's not like an overall net positive probably at this point but it's like that kid could be he could turn into a a hall of famer easily and like so i just think that goes to show that these very early stages of their career as long as they're showing the flashes you want to see these early stages have no real bearing on on who they're going to be as a player ultimately and to act like they do is just like, have you been not paying attention? Like, you know, nobody even knew who Giannis was when he's a rookie. Now he's probably going to go down as a top 10 player of all time. Like, come on. God, like, every time you say that, I just love it. I just love it. It's more more. Cause it's realistic. Cause that's I, what's going to happen, man. And yeah, I, I also so, think the other thing is like Jabari is for the most part, dude, he's a mature dude. He handles himself well on and off the court. Like you could tell that he wants to get better. Like that shit matters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it matters more than, than people realize, but before we get out of here, though, I want to talk about another rookie, your guy, Brett, Mr. Jalen Williams from the Oklahoma City Thunder. I feel he like everybody's been- my guy when we're talking about rookies. I love them. I love them all. Like, you know, I, 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 it's, nah, it's you really love Jalen. Like, you love Oklahoma City, though. You love everything I about them. I like, I, when we do our offseason preview, I am just already, like, dude, what is it, March 14th? I'm already waiting to hear what you're going to say about OKC. I already can't wait. And I got five more yeah. months of this. I can't we wait. We got big plans. Got big plans for next year. In OKC. Yeah. He's played 62 games a season. He's averaging 13.4 points a game, 4.3 rebounds, 3.2 assists. His splits are 52, 35, 75. He's averaging 1.4 steals a game, half a block a game. Now, here's where it's going to get fun. So since the All-Star break, nine games, 20 points a game, five rebounds, five assists, two steals. He's averaging about 34 minutes a game. His splits are 57, 4, 82, 66% 
shooting, yeah, true shooting percentage. In the month of March, he's averaging 23 points a game, six rebounds a game, 5.2 assists per game, 61, 56, 83 percent. That efficiency is pretty, 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 pretty good. And I know you you mentioned redraft. I think he would go a hell of a lot higher in a redraft if 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 we were if we were doing this over. What about his game has stood out to you? Uh, Just the he's pretty ideal for the modern NBA as a wing with good size. Length. God, he's um, looking in the Bucks uniform. Fuck. I think he's got a seven-one wingspan, something like that. He's really long, and then just like, just his versatility on both sides of the ball, really. But offensively, especially, this is a guy that can run point. He did a lot of that when Shagilgis Alexander was out. Like, he's a legitimate playmaker. Um, I'll tell you this right now about Jalen Williams. He is a great shooter. And this is where I think people have been missing. I've had some conversations on Twitter where like, this is the fatal flaw. This has happened to so many players where people, and it's happening with Jabari Smith too, where people look at their rookie season three point percentage and be like, oh, he, he can't, he's not really a shooter. Mm. Jabari's a great shooter. I don't care if he's shooting 31%. Same with Jalen Williams. His percentage has gone up, but I think it's still probably in the low 30s. Um, but I'll tell you right now, he's a great shooter in addition to being an excellent playmaker. But just he's just an all-around player. Like he can do, you know, whatever you want on offense. Like he probably play one through four. He does play one through four, actually. Like I think he technically started at power forward tonight. Um, and then defensively, he's got a lot of versatility as well. He's an absolute pickpocket. Don't quote me on this, but I think I read he's leading the NBA in steals in the 2023 calendar year. So far, he just rips people with like those long arms and then gets out in transition. Um, so I don't know. I, I just feel like he's like exactly the type of player you want in the modern NBA. The stats are crazy because, you know, using that that all-star break as kind of like a, a starting point is is appropriate because those are all-star numbers. Like undeniably like whatever it was, 25 and five on like 66. Like those are all-star type of numbers. And we're seeing this from a rookie that went, um, was he the 12th pick? I think somewhere in there, but you think about a couple of the guys that were drafted ahead of him, like no disrespect to them, but yeah, I agree, Steve. Like if we were to do a redraft, um, you know, he might go like top five for most people like that have been paying attention. I don't know that there's five guys you you take over that kid in, in a redraft. Yeah, seems like a great character guy, hard worker. Um, love everything about his game, and when that shot, because man, this is the same thing with Jabari too. Like it's it, it was the same thing with Jordan Poole. It's been the same thing with a lot of guys that struggled as shooters as rookies. Like there's that's a big adjustment, man. Like it's a longer three point line, um, and it's just a totally different game. Then college, like it's natural that there's going to be some adjustment as a shooter. But I think that kid, like even next season could be, you know, 38 plus percent from three. So when you add that into the mix with his playmaking, his finishing, which has been outstanding, um, sneaky, super bouncy kid, uh, really creative finisher. Like I think he leads all guards if you count him as a guard in dunks. And uh, he's probably only, you know, behind maybe like Walker Kessler. Uh, among rookies in, in terms of dunks. So he he gets up too. Like I love everything about his game. He's just uh just a rock solid player that and there's just no way he's not gonna be good long term. So yeah man I'd say all rookie first team I think is very much in play 
for Jalen Williams. I would say if I was to make the team today, he'd be on there for sure. I was going to say kind of before we wrap up here, I just really, really not to go kind of on an OKC tangent here. Like I just want to see this team healthy and I want to see this team like gunning for wins. Like I, I really, you know, you've kind of convinced me a little bit, like just, just their makeup, just how they play, how good seemingly, man. Like I know SGA, I think, I think he got hurt a little bit and then he was out for COVID and then he had, he had to miss a couple games, but then he just comes back and just 35 points. Like, okay. Like it's yeah. the most casual 35 points you could put up. Like, I, I just want to see him chat Jalen Williams. I mean, Lou Dort is phenomenal defensively. Like this team is just like, I want to see them. I right, man, now there's real expectations. We're going to be a top six team, you know, something along those lines. I just cannot wait to see it. Truthfully, yeah. I'm, I'm being dead on. I, I cannot wait to see it. It's very exciting, man. When you really think about it, um, like I personally, I would like to see them make the play in this year, as long as it's not at the expense of the Blazers making the play in. Cause I'm still rooting for that too. Um, I don't know. You know, that's a topic for another day, but I, I think just in like terms didn't of even smile when you say that, said that he didn't even, <laughs> he didn't even smirk. He didn't even smile. He didn't do anything. Is Mikey on, is Mikey all in on the tank? Um, I, okay. Mikey's all in on the tank. You know what? I'm a, a week ago, even like two weeks ago, I would have been like, no, come on. Like we can still make a push. Now I'm not mad at, at, at the people who want to I mean, tank I just want before, the people to go. Cause we, we always, uh, we record, we, do the podcast with video, but we don't record video. It's just the audio. Mikey did not even make it. He just, he was hoping that I wouldn't see that. And we were just going to keep moving on. He didn't make a, a facial expression. Nothing, nothing. No, it's just casual. No reaction even to that. So that tells me where, where, where he's at. Um, that's Wait, fair. The Knicks but like, tonight, I think though, I think, I think they're up on the Knicks tonight. Let's go. Cam Reddish revenge game. Um, but yeah, I would like to see the OKC make the play in. Good experience it's for time. that group too. Get them. Let's get them the experience. I think, uh, I mean, look, obviously they've got a ton of chips they can cash in if they want to upgrade the roster. Maybe that includes packaging somebody like Lou Dort, somebody in that contract neighborhood with some of these um, picks to, to, to really try to bring in another star to pair with SGA. Not that Chet won't be a star. I think he will be. But you get SGA and Chet kind of as your bookends, not to mention Josh Giddy. You know, and and, and, yeah, and J Dub, like you have so much size, length, and versatility. SGA is like a six five, six six, you know, combo guard. Giddy is like a six nine point guard. J Dub is like a long six six, whatever you need him to be. Chet is Chet, and then another guy I want to give a quick shout out to while we're talking about rookies is Usman Jang, who's like might be seven feet tall now like he's grown he's super young he's been really good lately i think he's scored in double figures at least like you know three of the last five or the last six something like that he's really starting to show some signs he's a kid that for his size the way he moves defensively should be impossible and he's got some ball skills he's got a smooth looking jump shot like i described him as the sleeping giant of the 2022 draft class i think that's what he is like he he's the kid that nobody's really talking about that could you know, end up being one of the four or five best players in this draft class. So he's another guy that they've got um, who could, he could end up being like their power forward of the future. Um, so you take all that and then maybe you bring in like another a lot of draft picks, man, young star and another couple of, you know, high draft picks. Like this team could be um, on a championship trajectory and, and getting to that level 
quicker than people realize. Like this could this could come together in the next couple of years. Um, I have all the faith in the world in Chet. Uh, I, I but but yeah, but people keep an eye on Usman Jang. If you haven't watched him, like he's been in the G League a lot, and that's something else worth noting with the Thunder. I think they use their G League. Uh, the OKC Blue, I think they use their G League affiliate better than any other team in the NBA. They've got a really um, a really nice track record of like sending guys down, calling them up and and you see the improvement like they use their they use their G League affiliate better than anybody, I think. And that probably doesn't get talked about enough. And they've got a great coach in Mark Dagnall, um, Massachusetts guy, one of my favorite coaches in the league. They've got it all, man. They've got it all. So whether or not they make the play in this year. Um, I too am excited to do that season preview for next year because I'm going to have a lot of good things to say I about you. Are. I yeah, bet I still you love are. Them. I still love them. Yeah, no doubt, man. I bet you are. But hey, man, that uh, that's going to do it for us. But I'm glad we did not get interrupted the last time you did a podcast outside. You <laughs> did get interrupted a little bit. We I are good booted. now. Mikey, you hang in there. Um, I am going to go watch. God, I don't want to jinx anything. Portland's up by 10 right now, just to let you know. And the, uh, there's go. a couple minutes left. I love it. I love it. I cannot wait till next week. I'll try to do a State of the Union this week for everybody. I think I got a Minnesota guy on deck who has just been bothering the shit out of me to talk about them. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get that done and we'll we'll go from there, man. I think uh, we were kind of talking about it. I'm just checking the scores here before we head on out. But, yeah, man, uh, Denver lost four in a row tonight. I don't know. That, that's a podcast for another day. But for myself – Producer Mikey and Brett, that's it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Giannis MVP.